0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week is my fantastic co-host, uh, Joe Perez. Joe has been hit by cosmic rays and has the powers of the entire Fantastic Four. Uh, that's not true. That
1: explains that rash.
0: Dang it! I don't think you can call the thing having a rash. It's
1: totally just a skin condition. It's n- Don't even worry about it. Just a skin condition.
0: I like that he used to be lumpy, and then suddenly he was rocky, and nobody ever bothered to explain it. Nope. Uh, anyway, hi, guys. Um, it's been a, a week for myself and for Joe as well, and I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. So we're just going to get straight into some top stories here and try and get through them relatively quickly. Uh, the first top story is basically kind of a, this has been going on for the past few weeks. Uh, people have been leaving Blizzard to start their own ventures. Uh, I think we talked about Mike Morheim, who left a while ago starting his his own game company dreamhaven Mm -hmm. and uh last week the first thing that we know we found out about was uh ice giant frost giant games who consists of a whole bunch of people who are really big in starcraft 3 uh or previous other blizzard games uh their esports coordinator a bunch of others they went off to start their own rts and they're saying things like you know we're going to do the next great rts and i mean you look at the people that they got and i believe them like, if, if they don't do the next big RTS, it won't be because they didn't have the talent to do it. Um, in addition to that, uh, Frost Giant happening. We then got another announcement that Dave Kosak was leaving uh, Blizzard after, like, I think it's been 12 years?
1: 12 years. 12 years for Dave.
0: Uh, he, he's leaving to, to start. Is it Divergent Games? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately.
1: Uh, I, I would have to take a look at it. but I think
0: it's, yeah, Divergent Games, I'm pretty sure. If it's not, I apologize, Dave. Uh, we will look it up and, and get the proper name out there. But he, he's going off to do something. He hasn't said what yet. Just something. Um,
1: deviation games.
0: Deviation games. Okay. See. Sorry, also, Dave.
1: Too sorry, many things I to keep track of this week.
0: But that that's pretty interesting because we you know I'm interested. Dave Dave Kosek is one of those people who he can do comedy. He can do horror. Uh, he was behind that interesting poem when they did the uh, the Thunder King I, patch back in Miss of Pandaria. He wrote that that poem. He wrote
1: Edge of Night, didn't he?
0: Yes, he did. Uh, very, very interesting and creative person. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does uh, over there. Um, but in addition to that, this isn't somebody who's left recently, but... Uh, this is somebody guys, who retired. Yes, straight up retired. Uh, but then again, so did did Mike Morheim. Mike Morheim re- retired. He didn't just leave. Um, but, but this is uh, Chris Metzen, who you may know as the voice of Thrall. Um, he's not starting a video game company, though. Everybody else has been starting their own video game companies. Chris decided that he's more interested in tabletop games. Which
1: makes sense, honestly, with all the yeah. conversations I've had with him in the past. Like, yeah, that that, that, that tracks.
0: And so he's, he and uh, I forget who else is with him, but it's a former Blizzard uh, head of QA, I believe, are setting out to create their own tabletop company. And it's Warchief Gaming, I believe it's called. Yeah. I don't know. We don't currently know what they're going to be doing. We don't know if it's going to be like a warhammer style minis game if it's going to be a role-playing game if it's going to be something else uh i'm bringing this part up as an aside this is not actually a blizzard thing but at the same time critical role announced their tabletop com- game company this week mm-hmm. in fact today at the, like around the same time so everyone's doing and, their tabletop companies this week
1: and, and two things uh one uh just to go back to dave Kosick, he didn't he's not starting deviant gaming he's joining uh, Deviation Naturally. Gaming. Uh, and the other person that was uh, in the interview with Chris Metzen for War Chief Gaming is Mike Gilmartin. Um, yeah. And interestingly enough, uh, yeah, there's, there's a whole ton of people like founding tabletop companies or whatever. I think this is interesting, and I'm very curious how much Metzen is going to lean into this, or how much Warchief Gaming is going to lean into this. But one thing that they've been doing is, locally, where he is, they've been doing a narrative campaign for 40K. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which... I love, and I've, you know, I always love those types of things because I'm big into tabletop and 40K, uh, so I'm wondering if there we're going to see more of that, because recently uh, there's been a couple companies that, or a couple, I shouldn't even say companies, a couple online presences that have been trying to supplement, uh, like, 40K and Age of Sigmar and some other tabletop games with... Uh, their own type of campaign. Uh, so like mini wargaming has their own narrative campaigns that they try to produce and push out for uh, people to play along with, uh, not just have their own online content. But I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing stuff like that, like more supplemental books. Uh, and I'm curious how that's going to play out because uh, if he does do that, because games workshop is not exactly uh, shown itself to be not litigious. So
0: yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I said they might do their own kind of minis game. Uh, one of the re- one of the bigger presences in Minis Wargaming that isn't uh, Warhammer is War Machine. Uh, yes. For a while, War Machine was actually bigger than Warhammer. Yeah, before it's age, not before in, Age of Sigmar. Yeah, and the thing about War Machine is it, it was an, it was a big presence in Seattle, yes. where I lived for a while. So I would go into this the shop that they had there, and they had tons of stuff up. And um, quite frankly, I'm about to get myself like literally ass- assaulted by hundreds of thousands of Warhammer fans, but. I always found War Machine, especially Hordes, uh, a lot easier to understand.
1: I would agree with that. I would agree with that until the recent versions, because now the tables have turned. (laughs) I mean, also not to to get too far into that, but everybody that cared about making that game easy to understand left Privateer Press, and now Age of Sigmar and even 40k has been stripped down to make it as simple as, way simpler than it's ever been to try to get more people to play it.
0: My my point here is just that if that's where, um, Chris and Mike are going. It's Mike, right?
1: Yeah, Mike. Mike Martin. Mike
0: Gilmartin. Uh if that's where they're going, to to if they're going to put out their own uh kind of tabletop miniatures type war game slash game, there's a market for a simpler version. Oh yeah. Maybe or somewhere in Age of Sigmar and, and War Machine. Um Iron it, Kingdoms, the the other thing privateer did was the Iron Kingdom's role playing game. And that's the thing I could see them you could see I could really see Yeah a uh, war uh, war chief games doing is something that mixes miniature wargaming with role-playing games
1: but yeah but even that that's that's a, a market that's just starting to emerge and there's other other ones out there that are already starting to do that like uh, brutality the game and, and a few others i i could sit here and do an entire hour-long conversation about this this is one of my passions but it i until they until make an announcement that yeah. you're just speculating it's all speculation and it's not just all speculation it's also i i don't know what they're going to decide to do because everywhere we could say that like this would be good this would be good this would be good they're all emerging markets that are starting to get into that saturation so who knows but yeah yep
0: that's that's something that happened this week and we thought you should mention it because quite frankly i think both uh joe and myself that's an rpg uh what it, it would be yep um, I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, I'm also curious to see if any other like Blizzard names would show up working on it. You know, and... Um-
1: considering how and we talked about I used to talk about this a lot and it's not even a big surprise you will go back and watch any of the behind the scenes stuff uh, when they talk about how blizzard was formed and you know what they used to do when they were making video games and they used to talk about playing magic and uh, playing D&D and just being tabletop nerds uh, like the rest of us uh, I would not be surprised if you start seeing other names pop up because that's kind of the mentality that follows that group right like you see people start to leave and they were friends and then all of a sudden uh, somebody's like hey I got this great idea let's take our tabletop game and and make something of it and then everybody goes yeah that's great let's go do this uh so I would not be surprised in the slightest uh if we start seeing other names from uh Blizzard either current or ex-employees start showing up
0: but to move on to like actual news about Blizzard stuff that Blizzard is doing right now Namely, people at Blizzard are doing it. Uh, We finally have a date for Diablo 3's Season 21 to end, although the date came from one post on a European Facebook group. Uh, It's the the Diablo 3 EU group. Um, Everyone else has just been saying soon. It's going to end soon. This particular post said November 8th. Now, the last time I made a prediction for the end of Season 21, I predicted either October 25th or November 8th, and that was based on how hard it turned out to be for them to solve the problems they were having with login and latency. I said that if they could fig- if they could get it nailed down in a week, they'd have to make an announcement soon, but it, since the PTR would be ending, they could get it out by October 25th. That would be the date. Obviously, we're doing this show on October 27th, and they have not done so. But if they extended the uh, PTR tool today, as we're recording this, it's October 27th, they extended the PTR to October 27th. So if that's the case, which it is, it seemed most likely to me that it would come, it would come to an end on November 8th because that's two weeks down the road. And that appears to be what they're doing. Uh, according to that, that Facebook post, it was on a video just saying soon. Uh, I don't believe they've done any other c- confirmation of it yet. If, if they have, I have not heard about it. I don't
1: just think so. Just that
0: one post. Uh, but if that post is accurate, then it will be ending about a week into November and then you probably get a, like two weeks till the uh, next season starts, which would put it, you know, mid-November. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems likely right now. Uh, and so, yeah, if, if you're waiting for the next season, you should be aiming for mid-November. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in Irvine. Well, I'm just going to say that up front. People are evacuating from their homes. There's fires there. There could be some small disruption. It's the, the Blizzard campus is not currently in in danger, um, but nevertheless, it would be wise to not count on anything too strongly right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that's just being human and being kind, right? Oh yeah, you just don't. Uh, I'm not saying. And, I'm and, just saying
0: straight up. Don't don't. If something happens, just accept it and don't be surprised. Yeah, and it, it's more important that people don't get, you know, in a fire. Although in good.
1: In good news, some of the evacuations have been lifted, so it looks like they are starting to get things under control. So our friends that live in that area hopefully can start going back to whatever semblance of a normal life we can have during this time frame. But that wasn't the only content. Did you want to? I know we mentioned it in chat, uh, but do we want to talk about the Hearthstone stuff? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So, there is a ton of Hearthstone content coming, uh, which has potential lore implications for World of Warcraft, which is interesting, because generally Hearthstone's been its own little sort of unique universe. Uh, But Old God Corruption is coming with the Dark Moon Fair expansion. Uh because we can't get enough of corruption. Uh thanks, Jeff. The gift that keeps on giving. No, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I love you, man. Uh, but it's it's interesting because the idea of having corrupted cards that have increased effects uh is very, very cool. Uh I think it's actually a really nice uh way to sort of shake up. The, the Hearthstone cards like in general like one of the examples we used on the site was Dunk Tank uh which is a card you know it costs 4 and you deal 4 damage uh and then you corrupt and then deal 2 damage to all enemy minions but then corrupted uh it's deal 4 damage then deal 2 damage to all enemy minions it's, it's, it's good you can just take corruption it's awesome uh as far as the implications for Uh, WoW lore. Uh, I think that has mainly to do with the Yashiraj the Defiler card that's going to be coming. Uh, And the fact that uh, uh, old god corruption never really truly goes away. Like Matt and I have been saying for months now, you don't defeat old gods. You just kind of like make them change their plans slightly. So... There's some really cool stuff coming, at least for Hearthstone. So if you're a fan of the the game, uh, or maybe you've been away for a while, this might be a time to come back and take a look uh, and see what's going on. Because honestly, I'm looking at these cards, and it's really, really cool. Also, that art on Yashraz, the Defiler, that is wicked. That that looks like a bone devil. It is awesome. I agree. (laughs) Matt, Matt doesn't play a whole lot of Hearthstone.
0: No, but also, I mean, I've been trying to work on a post explaining all the various little gods to people all week while chaos and madness breaks out in the real world all around me. Like, for instance, somebody doing carpentry at like six o'clock at night uh, when it's like blackout because the sun sets around five here. Uh, so, yeah, I'm having a day. But we're going to move on to some questions because that's what we do here at the Blizzard Watch podcast. We move on to some questions. It is. Uh, uh, the questions, if you want to send them to us, you can do so via email, you can send them to podcast at com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch. So we know it's for the show, or you can do that thing where you say for either show, in which case it comes down to which one of us skulks upon it first. Uh, or you can go to the podcast, uh, the Patreon Cuban podcast questions channel on discord, uh, if you're a patron, and that means you'll get first look because you know that's the deal we made when we people started signing up to be patrons. Uh, if, however, we're still kind of short on on questions, we also look at the Q questions channel, which is not for patrons only, and should probably be renamed at this point since we're rating it for questions. Uh, but yeah, so you can go to our Discord server and you can ask questions that way. Also, sometimes people, if you if you use our the Patreon interface to send a message. To our Patreon, um, Dan, uh, Dan will send us the questions when he gets when he gets one and he remembers to do it. Uh, I, I don't recommend that way. I recommend if you're a patron, use our Discord. Please, but it's Predators the it's the
1: preferred is, way. It's direct interface with us.
0: Yeah, but it is the easiest. It is the easiest way to do it is to use our Discord. But if you for some reason just don't want to, uh, you can you can try your luck with our Patreon direct messages and they'll eventually get to us. Uh, but it could be a couple weeks down the road. Anyway. We got some questions here. Uh, Joe is going to read them for us and we'll talk about them. Does that's how this goes. So, if you don't mind, Joe.
1: Not at all. Uh, help me, watchers. I feel dumb. It's Lord Soth with a feeling of the last one to realize this. Is there a connection between the old gods and Darkmoon Fair? With the release of the next Hearthstone trailer, it crosses my mind, though I don't know why, the random eye on the gate didn't trigger my old god senses. Was I just blind to the obvious? I mean there is
0: nothing established nothing in established. The world of Warcraft at this time. However, other, other than like you mentioned the big creepy eye and the general sense of dread and the weird stuff going on, but it that that's not necessarily the old gods.
1: Yeah, I mean don't get me wrong like the dark moon fair was it seemed like one of those old like if you've ever watched like Sweeney Todd or it's like that weird sort of Victorian Gothic horror, like just under the surface of normalcy, but it could very, very, very easily twist into old gaudy stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a it weird definitely place. Has
0: that. It definitely has, like if you read the comics, the, uh, the manga and so forth, there was definitely Silas Moon's story definitely gives you the heebie jeebies. And there's a definite sense of, if it's not the old gods, it's certainly not something good.
1: You can buy tentacle pies there. Tentacle pies. Yeah, Why? Uh,
0: so, I I feel like the Hearthstone expansion isn't stretching very far here. It's it's much less than, for instance, Mean Streets of and which you know is cool. I like Mean Streets of and, but it takes some sincere liberties with World of Warcraft lore. Um. What's happening here is it feels like Hearthstone is getting around to admitting to something before WoW does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But
0: I definitely have no problem believing that the Darkmoon Fair is somehow related to the old gods and that perhaps Darkmoon Island is one of the old gods or is in their realm or something.
1: Listen, all I'm saying is that if Yog saron can appear like a cruel woman, uh there's no reason that another old god can't appear like a gnome, and gnomes are already creepy looking to begin with. It's just it's a marriage made in in, in old god technically Nyilatha. So You don't
0: get to call gnomes creepy looking when you want to play a dwarf on
1: I didn't say the dwarves weren't creepy looking. I'm just saying gnomes are also creepy looking. They look like they're well, going I'm to sit- swallow my soul.
0: Sitting here looking at my uh dwarf and she looks pretty cool. But she's a she. <laughs> she dwarves are okay.
1: But yeah. It, but it's, yeah. I, I think there might be something like there. As uh, Pidia in chat points out, uh, Tortolan did show up in uh, Hearthstone before they showed up in WoW. Uh, and Hearthstone seems to be one of those places where they've... I don't want to say traditionally, but they've made it a point to, like, test some weirder things to see player reaction and then kind of riff from there, which I think is kind of fun and cool because I we were talking about this on the pre-show. I love what-if stories, and Hearthstone is just one giant what-if story, and I'm fine with that. I think that's a really good place for it to be. So, no, Lord Soth, you aren't missing anything. Uh, it's just that nothing has currently been established, although we could get our tinfoil hats out, uh, make them into pretty shapes and probably go on a bender as far as uh, Silas Darkmoon actually being the representation of an old God. So, all right. Our next question. No, no, oh, no. no. I'm ahead.
0: actually going to bring something up here. Uh, one of the things that I will point out is in the, the comic legends, blood runs, click, Cl- uh, Cl- thicker Silas and the rest of the fair go and There's a guy named Cedric, uh, Cedric Fulrick who accuses one of the, the fair of having murdered his brother.
1: Oh yeah. 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 I remember that. And,
0: after a whole bunch of stuff, they managed to prove that it was that Carrie was innocent, that that she didn't do it. And then Silas kidnapped the guy, stuff him inside his own brother's coffin and bury him alive. So Silas is
1: there's something dark.
0: There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, there's nothing outright sorcerous about any of this. Like he doesn't do anything that requires the old gods to be involved. And that's worth keeping in mind. Everything Silas does, you could just do by having a group of fairgoers work for you. I, I, he's although I will he say could, he could, in but... battle for
1: Azeroth, they did uh there is a, a brand new alchemy thing that was introduced to the game for the last expansion. Silas's sphere of transmutation, uh, which, if you concentrate on the sphere, you get to transmute into another object uh, for one hour. Uh, or transmute it into a, uh, an object for another hour, which means like it's some weird stuff because looking at what you use to put into it, uh, expulsum is one of them. What do we get expulsum from? Uh, extremely precise vial, uh, sly rogue's decanter, a mystical cauldron, uh, a sphere of sang- uh, sangarum. I can never pronounce it. It's like it, this is a dark concoction. Silas is definitely evil. Just throwing it out there. Just yeah. So.
0: If they were to reveal that Silas was somehow involved with the old gods, I would not be surprised. But it has not actually been revealed yet. Anymore.
1: Yet. Yet. We're watching you. Our next question. Hi, guys. Otsley again. Uh, I think I got that right. Thank you. Uh, so. Anyway, I was doing Exile's Reach, as I'm sure a lot of people have done this week, and I noticed something really weird. If you're on the beach at the start and look east, there's an island. I saw there was some kind of structure on the island, so I turned my graphics up to 10 and went for a swim. I know it'll be difficult to discuss, but I've included a picture so you can see what I mean. Picture included here. Uh, You can zoom in on the two structures and see that they're similar textures to the Undercity, run down bricks, but we're in the North Sea, so there's no way that it can be just wonder just wondered what your thoughts were on this what do you think
0: honestly um i can just barely see the structures he's talking about one of them looks like a tower uh, and the other looks like a crumbling ruin next to it it, it almost looks more like Carazon, quite frankly but a little bit you know what is it i don't know um as he points out this is in the north sea um it's not like you're particularly close to anything as far as I recall. Like, I don't think exiles reach is supposed to be near Northrend or anything like that. No, we, we have, there's ruins on exiles reach. Um, it's actually, and you know what, if you look at the, the map, when Alliance players go there, uh, exiles reach is North of Kul Tiras and North and East of the broken isles, specifically Stormheim. So it's South of, I want to say howling fjord.
1: Could it be? I mean, the cliffs are definitely large enough. It could be. We could make a case for that.
0: Uh, it's So it could be related to Kul and the Drust. It could be related to the Broken Isles and the Vrykul, who I, I'm still convinced the Drust are. It even says the Drust and the Vrykul are related. Uh, so you've got Vrykul up in Northrend, uh, the Broken Isles, and Kul We know that Lordaeron was built by the, the humans who were descended from the Vrykul as well. So Undercity would be built by. Originally, it was Lordaeron. Mm-hmm. So there's a relationship there, a, a continue a continuity of people essentially. So yeah, I mean it's right smack dab in the middle before the Sundering. It would have been on a direct path from what is now Northrend to what is now the Eastern Kingdoms. So it would have been possibly the path that
1: the path of the Titans. Tier,
0: yeah, um, that road that goes off. Yeah. might have been part of that. Um, we know there's a similar path in Zandalar, specifically in Nazmir. There's yes. a, a There's like a road that goes north, uh, north end, I want to say east from Nazmir uh, at the very end of the zone, which could actually, if you look at the map of this, it would not, it would be impossible for that to be pointing in this general direction. So that could be some kind of Rikul structure. I, I'm not saying it is. Uh, the, there's ruined structures on Exile's Reach as well
1: the interesting thing I think and this I think this is what uh, uh, Otsley wants us to to sort of key off of a little bit and maybe this is something we could speculate on more later on but it's could this be a way of Blizzard hinting at something else to come in the future they do like to do stuff like that uh, and occasionally there can be islands or, or items out there that uh, you know, maybe are uh, a hint at something that will come later. We were talking about going to the Dragon Isles at some point. I don't think this is the Dragon Isles. I'm just going to be perfectly upfront about that. But the thing that I thought was interesting about it is the tower that's on there. Uh, it makes me wonder if this is, this is going to sound really goofy. But way, way back, remember when we always used to talk about the GM Island back in the day? What if this is sort of a nod to that? Because I remember on GM Island when I got sent there for being a very, very bad shaman, uh, that it was basically an Island with high walls all around it and a single high tower. I could totally see this being a nod to that. This, this, island in the middle of nowhere with super high cliffs and one single thing that you can make out the only item that you can make out is this gigantic tower uh, so I mean I could see them doing something like that as an inside joke or an inside nod or an easter egg for those of us that pay attention but who knows this could be this could be something that is coming it could be a hint for something to come later But
0: or it could be something that's been in the game for a long time
1: that we just never paid uh, attention to
0: Well, no, that we did pay attention to. We just didn't know what it was. Um, I was looking at one of the things people pointed out was that the uh, Exodus Reach could be in what they used to call the the Northern Islands on the map. And the Northern Islands are... They were just there on the map before we got Northrend. Um, If you look at... I'm looking back at... I think this is... Yeah, this is September of 2000. Yeah. This map is from just before wrath uh, came out and on it you can see the maelstrom there's a large island in the south that is kind of in the general location of where Xandalar is but further south there's these islands in the north and then there's kind of a like kazani island over towards kalimdor and if these islands are essentially supposed to be like they could be, they could mean to be the broken isles or what have you mm-hmm. but if they're not they could actually be like if you look at where on the map Exiles Reach is supposed to be where it's kind of north and it's north of Cultiris, north and east of the Broken Isles and south and east of Northrend. They're in a decent place for those islands. This could be Exiles Reach could be the furthest most smallest one of those original oh. islands that we just called the Northern Isles because we didn't know what they were. I mean, there's this is supposedly part of an archipelago. That's, that's one of the things that's said about it is that this is one of several islands in this area. It's got this, this citadel on it. There is no way that the, that the ogres made this citadel. Like they they're running it, but there's structures all over the island. (coughs) There's just no way in my mind, the ogres built this. So what is it? And if, if this structure is here and it's, it's obviously a very, it's a very ogre structure. So they they've rebuilt it. What is there on other islands? So I, I'm interested. I I can't say like I don't have any idea in my head as to what they are, but I am very interested. Yeah. Uh, apparently, like a the the, the, the very cool Halmar, he's the end boss of the dungeon on Exos Reach. He mentions the ogres killed him and trapped his spirit there for daring to defy them. We don't know when Halmar got there. Like the ogres would have had the ogres. The most recently the ogres could have been there is the, the first and second war. Now, the Ogres tried to find the Tomb of Sargeras with Gul'dan. They, it, was, it was Ogres in the Stone Reaver clan. Are these Ogres part of the Stone Reaver clan? I mean, they're I think they're called the Dark Maul? Dark Maul. Yeah, yeah. The Dark Maul Citadel. That's, that doesn't sound too different from like a Storm Reaver because the Storm Reavers were very much, you know, warlocky. They were into like sacrifice and summonings and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's interesting to me to think about this and what it might mean if there's a structure over there that we might actually get to see more of it later or not. I don't know, but I am interested to find out more. Like I would like to see if there were more.
1: And I think it could be interesting as a, a nice little nod. I like when they do stuff like that, too. and We can look back and go, ah, sneaky, sneaky. Uh. But, yeah, I think we can move on to the next one. <laughs> uh, hey, Blizzard Watch, you get to make the official RPG sourcebook for any Blizzard property. What property is it and what game system do you use to adapt it? And this is from Tood the Obscure. Not Todd. Tood. Two O's. I mean, I think I would probably go with WoW. I don't think. What would you pick if you had to pick one property?
0: Oh, you started this. You have to finish it. Ah, Fine.
1: Uh, I think WoW would be the obvious choice, but I think something that maybe would be really, really cool and probably hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention would be the StarCraft universe. I think that it would be very interesting to see what could happen with an official StarCraft source book, probably using the D20 system because it's one of the easiest ones to sort of adapt to, uh, in terms of like skills and structure. Uh and I think it would be really, really neat. Way back when uh, when Alternity was around. I think it's still around. I think there's still a current version of it. I haven't checked in forever. Uh, but Alternity really wanted to be StarCraft, and it just couldn't quite get there. And now we have uh, Starfinder, which is a great game system. I love it. But it's not the same. It doesn't have that same sort of thing. It's basically d d in space, or Pathfinder in space more specifically. I would love to sit down and take all of the collective knowledge from everything that's ever been then printed or done with the StarCraft's universe story and condense it down into a set of source books. Uh, I would love to sit down with like Chrissy Golden, who has written a bunch of StarCraft books uh, and be like, hey, help me, help me figure out what we would do with the story here. Because I think even after StarCraft 2, even after the story is done, there's more that could happen across the universe. Like we only know a small section of planets it's a small section of what happened there's an entire wide universe and i remember when starcraft 2 first released with uh, uh what is it wings of liberty when you got the box set, because I got the Collector's Edition box set, there was almost this hope that they would do something with an expanded universe because it started talking about other planets in the systems and, you know, Terran space and Confederate space and, and you know, the different colonies and how life was in various places. Uh, but it never really went anywhere. I'd love to take that idea and maybe sit down and, and flush it out fully and make a space opera D D style game, but based around StarCraft. I think that would be super fun.
0: The game would be Mutants and Masterminds, the most recent edition. The setting would be Overwatch, because Overwatch is basically what you'd get if you combined like a the D like a 80s, 90s cartoon like GI Joe with a comic book and an anime, and it's got kind of a Bubblegum y feel with the the Omnics and so forth, and the 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 slightly high tech future world that it lives in. Um, It's got that kind of four color feeling of, of comic books with characters like Reinhardt Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: or Junkrat or, you know, uh, Ariza. And it's got like Doomfist. I mean, seriously, it's, it's, and it's got kind of that animated feel to it. Um, There's a lot of interesting stuff to it. The ultra, the ultimates basically come off as like limit breaks from a final fantasy game type thing. They feel very much like that, and I feel like it's very adaptable with a system like Mutants and Masterminds, or honestly Exalted. Like you could do a lot. Exalted, you could you could convert this to Exalted, or if you guys knew about the aberrant game. Oh yeah,
1: aberrant. Aberrant
0: was the story. Was the Mm storytelling? Coming, Tricky Kickstarter to bring the Trinity system back and them completely really well because it does social superhumans just as well as it does physical ones. Like you can play the superhuman whose power is he's inhumanly charming. He's just that charming. He can talk you into handing him your gun and just leaving. That, that he's that good. So I only really, to kick some of the, the overarching story of what's really going on. Why? How is you know Overwatch? Effectively disbanded. What's Talon really up to? What was the Omnic crisis? What's up with the Omics? who are still attacking Korea uh, and Russia. Um, what you know, a lot of stuff like that. The the Outback with the these Omnics settled into what the the Peace Settlers thought was going to be their city and Junkertown Town and so forth. There's there's a ton of stuff I'd love to see. Uh, the, the Vishkar Corporation and what they're doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, yeah. There's a there's a lot of room for an Overwatch game to be kind of like this really advanced mashup of like a, like a bubblegum crisis type anime and uh, a, a four color superhero game or an, or like I said, I think I mentioned GI Joe, GI Joe is not a yeah. bad one, but, but honestly it's just, it's like GI Joe through the lens of an anime with superpowers thrown in. Not too many, like most of the people have tech and stuff, but there's occasional ones like tracer or Oh bloody heck. The one who can do black holes.
1: Uh, I don't remember his name, but I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, you know, who I'm talking about crazy guy, uh, crazy black hole guy. Um, Sigma, Sigma Sigma. Yep. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot to it. I would, I think you could definitely do a lot there and it would be fun. Um, and one of the things I would absolutely try and do is work in a mechanic for what I would call cinematics, where instead of like, as part of your power and your moves, you describe a really cool flashy thing. Like, just showing up on the battlefield and deflecting giant cannon blasts from a robot with your sword. Uh, and it just sort of was like Genji, you know that because think about it. That's the kind of stuff about overwatch that even if you don't play overwatch, it's, you,
1: you know, it, yeah, and it's
0: impressive. Yeah, and, and when it happens in a game, when someone pulls off an ultimate and does something really cool and just takes out somebody, it's that same kind of thing. You know, the, the McCree, when you hear McCree say it's high noon, it, it's that kind of thing you'd want to work in you'd want to make moves that were effectively big attacks that were flashy and and fancy and cool in that way uh reinhardt screaming hammer down as he comes charging in i, I really do feel like there's a lot you could do with overwatch and a lot of story behind the scenes that you could get at so yeah i, I would definitely want to write the overwatch rpg and i would definitely want it to be some kind of high high action high color thing it wouldn't Definitely not uh 5th fifth, fifth edition d d not a D20 system. Unless, it, like, like I said, Mutants of Masterminds is perfect.
1: Pretty- yeah, Mutants and Masterminds I think would fit that really well. But I, I like that. I think that's really cool. And see, you all are surprised. I bet you thought we were both going to go with World of Warcraft. Ha.
0: Honestly, I'm going to be upfront here. World of Warcraft had about the best role-playing adaptation it's going to get. Oh, yeah. Like, if you were going to do one now, it would just be a 5e source book. And you've seen it. I mean,
1: and to be fair, Blizzard—if you're listening uh, for any any particular uh, reason—and I hope you are, seriously, like, why not re-release it for fifth edition? I think it'd be great. Spend some time with it; it would sell.
0: Absolutely, wouldn't mind doing that. But if you're if you're selling me, I can do anything, you know. And Joe took Starcraft, so I had to come up with another one. Uh,
1: (laughs) I honestly thought you were gonna go Diablo.
0: I thought about Diablo, but Diablo got a really good adaptation as well. yeah, when when third edition first came out, Diablo got some solid D and D books, man. It did.
1: It really did.
0: And it's not that you couldn't do more. There's more stuff that's come out since, but I I don't know. I honestly feel like Overwatch is where I would go.
1: Alright, our next question. Hello, my icy bros. So, I'm playing a lot of WoW again. I'm just curious about what's going on with this whole deal of the mechanome. Why are they cutting off their limbs? I didn't quite understand it. In general, I don't understand what these guys are doing and why. While I'm at it, I'd like to ask about the Zandalari and their druids. Why do they have them? Why are they dinosaur druids? I'm having the hard time understand what's going on with the Zandalari in general. Why they're so unusual compared to other trolls. Thanks for your time, Spider
0: Miles. Okay, you want to go? I go for it. You go first. All right. Um, I'm going to actually leave the Zandalari for Joe because he plays more Horde than I. Um, but the, the Mechagnomes are interesting because they're essentially... King Mechagon used to like rule in Nomargon. and he was king of the Gnomes in general. But he decided he didn't want to like live in Nomargon because it wasn't perfected. He felt like something was missing from Gnome culture, and he got a bunch of volunteers... And with them took off to go explore and find the source of where gnomes really come from. And as a result of that, the gnomes were left without a leader. And instead of appointing a King, they were just like, Oh, well, okay. The King just took off. Do we want to like make some other guy like that too? Why don't we just appoint the guy who's best at gnome stuff, like the best inventor. And he can kind of be in charge and tell us, you know, more or less what to do. So that's where the, the office of high tinker came from. Which, which Gavelin Mechatork held most recently. Uh, Goblin was essentially like when you became High Tinker, you were elected. Now it was elected for life, but it was still an elected position. They didn't; it wasn't a king. Uh, sometimes they called him King of the Gnomes, just as you know, out of respect. But he wasn't king of anything. He was he was the High Tinker. Uh, that's how Nomergon went after the king left. But King Mechagon and his people traveled until he found a Titan vault on an island not too far away from Culturis, and that vault. Uh, they named it Mechagon after King Mechagon. Now, I'm, I'll am i be upfront as I don't know if the current King Mechagon is the same guy or if he's like a descendant. That's not something I was too clear on to this day. I don't know. But he started studying the, no, the various Titan technology and much like Gearmaster um, Mechazod, Mechagon was like, this is what we're supposed to be. Except he didn't have access to the technology that Mechazod did where he could just reformat gnomes into being mecha gnomes. So instead, instead of just turning them back into constructs, he came up with a slightly less advanced technique where they cut their body parts off and replaced them with machinery. It works after a fashion. It's it's not as let's just say it doesn't it doesn't work as well as what MechaZod could do. Mechazod could just turn you back into a like you know a mecha gnome. like you, no more, no more flesh thing. He could just erase the curse of flesh, much like like uh, you saw the Tolvier doing in Cataclysm. Mechazod had that ability. Mechagon did not, and so using his researches, he came up with ways to implant these limbs into gnomes, effectively changing them into mecha gnomes, But they're much more cyborgs than they are you know construct beings they're not converted back into non-living forms it's not like the mogu did where they reverse engineered the curse of flesh and turned themselves back into stone it's much more like what the drus did yeah where they made they made construct bodies and put themselves in them except they're doing it piece by piece with surgery often painful imposed surgery um so that's what's going on with those guys even the ones who aren't nuts like it's it's such a cultural tab it's such a cultural touchstone to them that almost all the mecha have implants they have like limb replacements uh, stuff implanted in their eyes stuff implanted in their chest they've got more m- they're more machine than gnome for lack of a better phrase but that's what's going on with the mecha with the mecha some of them have joined mecha mecha cr- crusade because he's got a bomb that he's gonna he's been building he wants to set it off and just undo the curse of flesh to everybody
1: by turning everybody into robots
0: yeah it'll probably kill most people who aren't gnomes you'll notice when you do the opening quest to go to to mechagon everyone who's not a gnome is just killed yep but when the beam hits a gnome it's just like oh you're a gnome and that's it so he's he's straight up just gonna kill everybody who's not a gnome see it's this kind of stuff that's what gnomes why gnomes are scary you show me the goblin that can theoretically that can credibly threaten to kill everybody in the world who isn't a goblin there isn't any goblin who can do that. God, that's not, there's no profit in that. How, how am I going to make money if everybody's dead? Gnomes, on the other hand, if they get it in their head that it would be better for everybody to die than to, to continue on not being mechanical, they have the wherewithal to do it. So Mechagon was going to set off a bomb that would have turned all gnomes into mechanical beings and killed everybody else. And that's why we had to kill his, his metal butt, which we did. <laughs>
1: Uh, So the Zandalari uh, and why they're druids and particularly why they're dinosaurs, it's actually not terribly difficult to explain. First, if you've spent any time in Zoldazar... Uh, in any time with the Zandalari as a Horde character, you spend a lot of time interacting with what I call, like, ground-level Loa. Uh, before this, we get this this thing where Loa are, like, these big spiritual beings that we never really truly interact with. Uh, and we fought the priests to a uh, particular Loa in the past, but we've never really seen or interacted with, like, Loa uh, as far as, like, trolls are concerned as player characters until now, even though we have with Wild Gods, but that's, that's a whole other thing. Um, but most of their Loa are the ones that they interact with the most, and particularly uh, Gonk, which is where most of the Xandalari uh, druids are in service to, are dinosaurs. Their culture is based around, at least in part, Raising and using dinosaurs as we would livestock, they use them as beasts of burden. They use them as uh, cultural icons. And Xandalar is a, uh, a a place out of I don't want to say out of time, but something that kind of stuck as part of Xandalar's feeling is something that was actually established, but back in the non-canon RPG book, which is the Xandalar was the tribe that was like the progenitor from which all other tribe. Uh, the troll tribes sprang from, uh, and it was that they were this preservation of culture, uh, for all of trolls, but also that their main city, uh, the ziggurat city of Zoldazar, was this place where all of the trolls would meet, all of the tribes would meet every six years or so in order to, uh, basically talk about anything that was important or of state and that included like trolls that maybe not weren't necessarily just zandalari but that would be where you got your you know frost trolls your jungle trolls and and all the different various clans that we've had over throughout the years um the interesting thing is there have been established groups even back then uh that we now see as groups of trolls druids in particular in Battle for Azeroth, uh, the Lunali, uh, which I'm probably pronouncing that horribly, horribly wrong, they're basically like the Night Elf Druid equivalent of the Zandalari trolls. Uh, they basically live on the Verdant Slope. Uh, they're almost always in Moonkin form. They definitely have a very lunar-leaning worship. Uh, they tend to live in groves instead of cities. Uh, And they've always had this sort of way of of embracing sort of nature and sort of that level of balance, like regular you would expect like night elf druids, Uh, but like Gonk and the other Loa teach them how to take their form they teach them how to you know take on the aspects of their patron loa or other loa uh in order to accomplish their their task it's not their relationship is not dissimilar to like how the the night elf druids were founded it's not dissimilar to how night elf druids persist in their relation with like the wild gods or scenarius or any of that uh so it's pretty fascinating, at least to me. And I think it's cool because dinosaur druids are definitely cool and we just wanted them. So why not? But there are actual story reasons why you can have that. Um, and if you're looking for understand why the Zandalari are different from regular trolls in general, they're not really that different compared to other trolls. We're just used to dealing with like the Darkspear trolls or occasionally we'll run into some other tribes of them but this is the first time we're seeing pure troll culture and that's something you have to keep in mind like when we're dealing with the ones in stranglethorn when we're going into the dungeons that's a very small subsection or a specific clan of trolls and the zandalari in general, like we said, like from the RPG, they're, they're a progenitor. They're the original. They're the the one where everybody sort of like stemmed from, but they're also live in a place where all of those tribes go to. So they're sort of separate but together, I guess is the best way to put it.
0: So put it uh, another way, if you look at the map for Voldun, there's a place called Atul And if Amon sounds familiar to you, it's because Atul is the original home back before the Sundering when the, this this island was part of the mainland continent of Kalimdor. Atulaman is where the Amani trolls come from. It's their home. They left it because they were, as long as they were where they are, they were at Atulaman. They were part of the Xandalari nation. They were subser, they were like subordinate to the Xandalar. They didn't want that, and so at the time of the Trolacir War, before the Sundering, well before it, they left to fight the Trolacir War. And the deal they made with the Zandalar was that they'd go somewhere else, somewhere out of range of Zandalar. At the time it was the Holy Mountain. And they'd colonize and they'd still revere the Zandalar as the sacred tribe, but they wouldn't be under their direct control. And the Zandalar went with this because it was a way to get the troublemakers out of their their space. Groups like the Amani and the Gurubashi could go off and fight the uh, the Akir and start their own colonies inside territory that was being held by the Akir the Zandalari didn't lose anything they got to maintain their religious significance the Gurubashi accepted you know the Zandalari as the spiritual authority and the and the authority on culture and in return they got to handle their own affairs it was a way to keep their empire from breaking up by letting the malcontents leave and everybody even to this day Trolls all over Azeroth look to the um, to the Zandalar as their spiritual leaders, because Zand- Zoldazar is on like Zandalar Island is the remains of the Holy Mountain, like, and the Holy Mountain is the city of Zoldazar itself. That's when you go up to the top of it. That that's a Titan facility. That's that's ancient. That's power. Everybody respects it. So it's it's like if the Roman Empire fell apart, which it did, but everybody kept looking back to Rome for like how they should act, which everybody did. Mm -hmm. To this day, you know, Roman ideals, Roman, you know, Roman statuary, Roman, you know, capital buildings, all that stuff is still in influence. And it's very similar.
1: Yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. But I think we can move on to our last one, unless there's anything else you want to add to either of these.
0: No, I think we're good. Okay.
1: Uh, Storm of frozen death. I beseech thee. How old are our characters considered to be? If you roll a new orc right now, did she, he, they actually grow up in the camps or in Durotar? How long has it been since Warcraft 2 II or 3? And are we considered to be young or old as a default? You guys are great and you smell good, I bet. That's an interesting closing, but thank you.
0: I gotta say, man, I, I don't have a lot of... Uh, without being crude, it's been a long quarantine and I've had a lot of trouble <laughs> with my running water this week so i don't smell that good but but thanks for thinking the th- good thoughts of me
1: yeah as as far as the actual question goes um your character is sort of an amorphous state that you can imprint upon um, the character creation in wow is very similar to character creation in tabletop rpgs not least of which because the people that made it were pretty big into tabletop rpgs uh, but you decide when your character how long they've been around, right? There is no canonical. You create a character and you are this age, right? You can create a human that's balding and looks like he's seen the better side of, you know, 20 seasons, uh, but at the end of the day, it's your choice, whether that's a fresh, bright, blue eyed, 16 year old conscript to the, the Alliance army or a grizzled veteran or an old farmer that's taking up arms. And that's the same for pretty much any of the races that you get to roll is you are choosing your head cannon, how old your character is. Uh, yeah,
0: there's a few things to keep in mind. One is that, as an example, the First War was about 36 or so years ago. That's yeah, an 30, estimate. 36,
1: 37, because somewhere in that range, yeah.
0: The uh, beginning of Warlords of Draenor was essentially 31 years after the First War. And so it's been a few years since then. So I'd say 35, 36 years. So if you wanted to be a character who was around and fighting before the, the First War you'd have to be in your 40s but that's easily done there's oh, yeah. gray hair options there's beard options or you could play a night elf and they can be a thousand years old or whatever uh, you play, you could be playing a night elf who fought in the war of the shifting sands or the war of the uh i forget what the Sad- yeah. the war of the shatter or whatever you could you could be that old if you wanted and,
1: and i guess to to just real quick to interject like first war is considered year 0 in the timeline right yeah so everything
0: before that's negative whatever like for instance the war of the three hammers is like negative 200
1: yeah, something like that. Uh, trying to think when the second
0: war was. Because
1: World, uh, s- World of Warcraft canonically starts in year 25.
0: The second war is year eight, year 6, and the destruction of Draenor takes place in year 8.
1: Yeah. The okay. new
0: Horde is year 18, the third war is year 20. And then uh, World of Warcraft the, is year
1: 25.
0: Because World of
1: Warcraft 3, the Frozen Throne is year 22.
0: Yeah, the Burning Crusade's year twenty six. So the Gathering Storm they call it, year twenty five was where Varian Rain disappears. Hmm. That's basically year one of World of Warcraft. So that's twenty five years after the first war. And something like And three years after years, Warcraft three. Yeah. The third yeah, the third war is year twenty to twenty one. Um so yeah, the gathering storm is like three years. It's well, it's literally four years after the the war ended. Remember, four years have passed since the Yeah. So if you count that as year twenty-one, yeah, it's four years. You, you, Battle of Mount Hyjal is year twenty-one. The beginning of World of Warcraft is year twenty-five. So, if your character is considered to be a like, if if you made a character back then and you wanted your character to have grown up in the camps, you could have done it. Your character would be in their mid like early twenties. Yeah, I think and what that's, patch
1: seven point three was year thirty-three. I think is what it boils down to. So like, well,
0: yeah, because it would have been Legion. Yeah, Legion,
1: yeah, Legion's
0: 33 uh, towards the end of it, so now, yeah. I would actually say, Salt on the Dark Portal's year 31. I'd say it's at least a year between that. So with the assault of the Dark Portal then, you basically have another two years till the beginning of Legion, and then a two years to the end of Legion, so I'd say, th- yeah, year 35. That'd be my best estimate of where we are right about now.
1: Yeah, and I think that that pretty much tracks, as they were saying, like, we're in year 35-ish, uh, as far as, you know, what we are timeline-wise. Uh, so it's it hasn't been that long, all things considered. Like, with everything that's been uh, Wo- World of Warcraft, like, the history that is wow, a lot of it happened before we were ever players, and, like, a lot of it is stuff, like, we're dealing with stuff that was put into motion thousands of years ago still so, and it seems like in that short period of time we've done a lot because well we really 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 have Uh but yeah it's it's an, it's interesting to see exactly how how much has happened in such a short period of time.
0: To answer your question ultimately you can be as young or old as you want, you want that works for your character like you can't be a 10,000 year old orc orcs don't live that long but you can be a 50 or 60 year old orc if you want to be a member of the original Mm -hmm. old hole. So hope that answers your,
1: yeah, it's, it's all player choice at that point. Um, but I think that's it unless there's anything else for you to add. I don't think so. All right. Well, Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast, and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard watch reporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience.
0: Thank you very much, Joe. Again, guys, if you have an email or question for the show, you can hit us up on Discord on the Patreon Q&Podcast questions channel or the Q Questions channel, both of which we look at for questions. Or you can email us uh, at podcast at blizzardwatch.com uh, with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for the show. And we also look there for questions uh, if you're looking to do that. Uh, thank you guys very much for being here. It's been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, on behalf of my co-host, Joe, I want to say thanks for being here and we'll be here next week.